This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, you can call it what you want. I mean, a dust-up, a skirmish, a kerfuffle. We went to London in 2017. It was a kerfuffle. That's what it was known as. It was? Uh, I mean, you can describe it as being edgy, chippy, you know, what feisty. But, I mean, you got to narrow it down whether you're talking about a Cardinals full pad practice or if you're just talking about another episode of Cardinals Underground, and in particular, Darren Urban against Danny Sarek. That's what, I mean, honestly, I'm prepared like no one. Uh, I mean, seriously, Pauly Pickskin over here, I'm ready to go in this Cardinals Underground well, full pads or not, just because of the Bickersons and that sort of factor between the two of you, which we've also seen on the Cardinals practice field. I know that you've course. got the height on me, but I think I've... I think I've got more feist in me. See, I've, the first thing I thought of was like, Paul wasn't even around the first week of camp. Of course, he's got all this energy. <laughs> Here we go. He hasn't even done anything. Here we go. Um, Some snark about how I got a series of vet days or maybe I was on the NFI list. Okay, here we go. It took about 37 seconds for Darren to It would have been sooner, but Danny me. wanted to get her shot in on yeah, me, of course. Right. That's good. Okay. All right. So here I am. You're right. I got plenty of energy to go. Uh, maybe once for the only time ever, I'll match Danny in terms of energy. We'll see. We need reps, though, and we don't want to waste yeah. our time with any yeah. kind of that. It's still stuff. early in Cardinals Underground. You're right. So enough of just the pleasantries or otherwise. Uh, Danny, uh, where would you like to start? Well, let's continue with what – tell everyone what you're talking about, all these <laughs> these terms, the kerfuffle, the dust-up. Tell yeah, everyone why, why we're starting the podcast this way. How I many were there? How many were there? If we were scoring at home three, three yeah. I heard First someone – First day of pads. I heard someone just – I heard uh, – Wolf said two, you say three. three. I heard someone shout out five. I didn't see five. I'd say the Vegas – the bet MGM over-under <clears> would be three, I'd say. I would say the hop tossing the ball, Isaiah Simmons won early. I say – Will Hernandez and J.J. Watt in the middle of practice, and then the the ender, which was Greg Dorch, and nobody seems to know who the DB was that started it, but apparently Isaiah and D-Hop were in the middle of the end of it, and that that pretty yeah. much got us to the See, end. See, that practice. makes four because it was it was a rematch. It was oh, Isaiah. See, I don't, that's just one at the it end. It was Isaiah, D-Hop, the rematch. That was two. Yeah, first day of pads, definitely a lot of passion and energy. There you go. There's two um, words I didn't use earlier. Yeah, you could – yeah, I think players were just – there was a lot going on when you got those pads on for the first time. I think it was Zayvon Collins when he was talking to his press conference and, you know, you're just getting hit differently, you know. It's yeah. feels different and uh, nobody really seemed to think that – seemed to have the philosophy of understanding or thinking that maybe those kinds of dust-ups could be good in a sense. Everyone kind of be seemed to be on the same page from the players we heard from, from head coach Cliff Kingsbury, that – 
right now it's pretty much just a waste of time taking yeah, away uh, reps from players that are trying to earn a spot on the team. The first thing I thought of was when they said that was, okay, Cliff's message got very much through to the players, the one that he ended practice on, because he was not a happy camper. The, the, the Watt Hernandez one felt very much like a normal, like, okay, Will Hernandez probably shouldn't have done that little shot at the end when he and Watt were out of the play. Watt understandably takes uh, umbrage with it and went back at the brick wall that is Will Hernandez, who if he's ready, it's going to be tough for people to move him, clearly. He is an immovable object. The rest of them, though, I mean. Somebody called him a refrigerator, right? Who called him the refrigerator? 340 pounds. Look like it. He is square. Might have been Kyle Vandenbosch, maybe. Um, I, I will say the other stuff. I mean, Isaiah Simmons likes to talk, and I think that goes off the field, and that goes on the field, and you know, as somebody who's not a big trash talker when I'm doing athletic things, um, I could understand why that would get under somebody's skin. And maybe that's what happened with Hopkins. In hockey terms, once upon a time, Darren Urban was a beat writer for the Coyotes. You Are you were- being serious? Hang yep. on. Did yeah. you really used to do that? I did mm. not know that about you. That's cool. You got some cool points in my book now. Oh, that's cool. You would call that Those personality. Those are your first ones, though, so don't get excited. <laughs> wow. I'm like just in, shrapnel everywhere. In hockey, that guy is an instigator. That's who he yes. is, right? So Isaiah Simmons sort of the instigator to start full pad practice at I Cardinals camp. wouldn't Because he that. was barking, and he was barking some more, and then it got into it, and then, you know, the receivers. See, what it does is, and then it, it starts to get position groups against each other. Yep. It's it's maybe the tight ends against the linebackers or the receivers against the DBs. And, and, and really, Isaiah Simmons is the one guy who can pretty much ignite any and all position groups because he's playing all three levels of the defense. So, so if there's one guy – who can, shall we say, pollinate things, it, the bumblebee that just bounces around all over the field, it's Isaiah Simmons. And pretty soon, it's just a free-for-all, and it's a mega it's a mega match out on that field like WWE has invaded State Farm Stadium. You know, it didn't really surprise me. I, I wasn't expecting, I don't think, to see so many of these, not fights, but I don't know. Kerfluffles. Kerf, kerfluffles. It was hashtag get off me. You know, first day of pet, just get off me. Come because, on. you know, last week, the first week of training camp, when they were not in full pads, you could see, and I think that's just the energy of everyone being together and, you know, things finally getting to full swing is when the offense would have a really great play or make a touchdown, the celebrations were over-exaggerated. And same on the defense, a pass breakup, an interception, whatever it might be, the defense went over the top on their celebration. So it doesn't entirely surprise me that now that they've got pads on and now that things are real, it would be a little more intense. And, you you know, to a certain degree, you expect this at some point at training camp, maybe not three on the first day of pads, but hopefully now it's, it's out of their way. Although Zavin did kind of hint that, you know, there might be more in the future the when week this team is in Tennessee, which I thought was pretty interesting. I, I did think that I thought the defense was ahead of the offense most of the day today. So if you put in the fact that the offense might be a little frustrated with how things are going, plus the penchant to having a couple guys on defense or maybe just the one talking a lot about it, you know, maybe, you know, maybe then, I mean, there was a play early and I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Dorch? I think Dorch when they were doing the one-on-ones early in practice, which when you're doing the one-on-one drills in terms of pass coverage, it's almost impossible for the cover guy. Almost impossible. I mean, you're, you're, there's no pass rush. You're, you're trying to keep him in a short space. Every once in a while, it, it works out well. But, 
Um, Greg Dorch beat Buda Baker pretty badly on a long pass and then was talking about it. And I'm thinking, look, I like Greg Dorch and I think he's done some things to make this team. I don't know if I'm yapping at a Pro Bowl safety because I beat him in a one-on-one. Yeah, no, that's great because basically you have the whole field with which to work. Yes, and 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 also, I mean, Buda Baker's a safety. He's not a premier cover corner. Yes, it's so it's not like you're out there beating Jalen Ramsey or someone one-on-one. But yeah, it's you know the good news is we haven't called it a fight yet because it really wasn't a fight. And as Zayvon Collins said, don't call it fighting. Guys have pads on, and it's basically just some glorified grabbing. It wasn't punches and thrown or anything yeah, like that. No, been, no, no. So, you know, and, and it's interesting too, like a lot of the coaches weren't exactly overeager to put an end to it when it results in good intensity in practice. But when it ends up emptying both sidelines at the end, and now it is cutting into the two-minute drill. Okay, that's where it's going to draw the ire of the head coach because, yes, it is detracting from productivity. Well, and I'd also think that if the other ones hadn't already happened, then maybe Cliff feels a, a little something different. But the fact that they had already gone through a couple of these and then and the one at the end especially because it kind of started and then it started to stop and then it kind of reignited, I think that probably didn't help. Speaking of Isaiah Simmons, the versatile one. No, we don't have video. uh, The versatile one, Isaiah Simmons. Yes. Here is something that might get me punched, like literally might start a fight here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Danny, I now have Danny's attention. Well, Danny Danny wants to swing at you. See, I was making a segue here. Darren immediately checked his phone. Danny was going to check her phone, but then when I mentioned I might get punched, she put it down. So now I have her undivided attention. You always talk about checking my phone. Somebody's got to keep track of what we're talking about so I can talk. Can I write out a description for the podcast? It's like sitting here with my 15-year-old and 13-year-old. The moment I'm I'm not saying something gripping, I lose lose their attention. I am losing attention quickly. No, but Darren's the one with the short attention. Danny's going to tweet about it if you start talking about being the old person working on your phone. So I have a nickname for Isaiah Simmons. And uh, the collective groan. I pause for the collective groan. You know, being... It's not I, Andy, is it? (laughs) (laughs) That one. He, I don't, and, Andy it's Isabella. hard to get Paul to laugh. I'm impressed with myself. And, and Andy Isabella. That's Gallo's humor right there. Andy Isabella, a little backstory at my own expense. Andy Isabella, when he was drafted, okay, just the 4-3 speed and everything he was going to do behind the line of scrimmage. And so what do you call that? As a defense, you call that eye candy, right? So then I went with I Andy as his nickname. <laughs> The problem is he got about four snaps all year, and it just didn't materialize, obviously, or come to fruition. Yes. You know what? You, you, can't, you can't hit them all, Paul. <laughs> well, this might be three strikes and you're out because what I was thinking with, with Isaiah Simmons was to play off the hybrid, you know, because that's what his teammates really call him. We can call him whatever you want, but really they call him a hybrid player. So what if we went with uh, – and this might be better in print than over the air because it's too close when you say it, but it might look good in print. Hint, hint, Darren, when yeah. you go to azcardinals.com. What about Isaiah Simmons, as in hybrid Isaiah Simmons or hybrid Isaiah Simmons? I mean, there's, some, there's something in there, Danny. I'm working with it. You know, Isaiah Simmons for hybrid. <laughs> We're just going to go a Japanese know, fighting fish. I don't know if almost just flat shaking his head. He's got a he's got a real grimace on his face. I mean, it can't be any worse than Japanese fighting fish. It just can't. 
Oh, I don't know. Paul, if, I hate it. <laughs> I don't. Okay, well, that answers my question. I wasn't sure if Danny was in pain or if she was laughing. I wasn't sure what she was in, so if she hates it, so, okay, oh. I'll move it along. It'll make it into the description <laughs> of this podcast, I'll, I'll tell you I'll, that. I'll don't stop thinking, though. It's early in camp. It's early in camp. I'm trying a few things before we kind of narrow down the, the playbook. The best part is I don't like it, and now I'm going to think it when yes. I see him on the field, which means like it's I going Andy. to stick. Right. I couldn't stand I, Andy, but <sighs> I remember it. Well, I can't let Vance Joseph have all the fun. He's, he's, he's nicknamed him a star. Starbacker, so I can't let Vance Joseph just step in and you know and get all the glory here with Starbacker. How do we define Starbacker, Danny? You were sitting there when 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 Vance Joseph gave his description of Isaiah Simmons going into 2022 because no longer is the the weak side inside linebacker. At least that doesn't even begin to cover the gamut of his job description. He's been doing most of his work. With the DBs, he's been doing a lot of safety work, and that's what we've heard from the coaching staff is how well he does further from the line of scrimmage off the ball. And we saw a little bit of that last year. And in the early parts of this offseason, the few chances the media got to talk to defensive coordinator Vance Joseph and it was asked about it was, yeah, he'll he'll do some of it still. And uh, it seems like he's going to do a lot more than some of the work <laughs> yes. with First the of all, DBs. Yeah. Let's let's. It's not like Vance just made up the star thing. That's what the Rams call with Jalen Ramsey. That's his position, his star backer or star or whatever. What about like a lafety linebacker lefty. safety? <laughs> okay. hey, I'm not Paul I, I like Isaiah okay. better than that actually. <laughs> what? And, and this is an honest question, all right? Now, see, when Darren brings up the Dallas Cowboys, Danny, you know, it's in a derisive sort of, you know, undermining you don't, tone. You don't say. Yeah. Uh, but this is an honest question. I, I would never do that. Do That's the Cowboys Danny. have a position name they call Micah Parsons? Because I firmly believe when the Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons and then Zayvon Collins, a lot of that I think was precipitated by what Devin White did for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That that duo, Levante, David, Devin White, what they did for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers en route to the 2020 season Super Bowl title. And so I think that's one of the reasons the Cardinals went that direction. But obviously Isaiah Simmons isn't a traditional Mike linebacker like a Devin White. He really is. The closest comp today would be to a Micah Parsons. Now, are they identical? Absolutely not. Micah Parsons is much more of a power game. He's a heavier dude. I get it. Rushes a lot more. Yeah, but, but even when Cliff Kingsbury was asked for sort of a comp, you know, as to have you ever seen a guy utilized in a manner which Isaiah Simmons figures to be used this year, he dropped Micah Parsons, which I thought was interesting because that's what we had talked about on cover two was that sort of job description. He doesn't have quite the same skill set, but is there a position name that the Cowboys use for – a Micah Parsons, or they still just call him a linebacker. I think, I think they still him. just call him a linebacker. I, I don't remember, and and I also left at the very you know I started week four here, so it's, it's I only got limited time really covering Micah Parsons, so they might have a name for him, and I just I'm unaware to yeah. it. Yeah, he wasn't worthy of a name when you were there. Not in, <laughs> not until by the end of the season when not only was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, he was darn near the NFL Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie. Well, and the other thing, too, is a lot of times when you were giving these other names to something, it's because they ha- they don't fit in what you would normally do. I mean, Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league, but we don't need some kind of special name for him. He's a defensive tackle. He just <laughs> happens to be really great at it. And sometimes I wonder about, like, giving a name to a position, kind of like the dollar backer thing for Dayon Buchanan. Was that – Yeah. I mean, they made something into what they could because they needed to use them, but – But but he – but 
Dayon Buchanan and Isaiah Simmons do not fit under a singular position title, under a traditional position title, right? Out of need and necessity, you had to create something because otherwise – it just wasn't apt to say he's just a linebacker, and he's because Isaiah Simmons isn't necessarily an inside linebacker. He's not really a safety. He's not an edge guy, even what's, though he's doing all the above. What's important, though, is that you get him to be effective in whatever you're doing. There, there's two sides to that. There's obviously the side where it's like, okay, he can do all these things, and we've talked about this before in different ways. But now we're talking about it in terms of how what he might be called. I mean, you you don't want to be you don't want to be something that you're trying to make out of thin air because you took a guy in the first round and you're trying to make sure you're justifying it. Now, I personally, I think Isaiah Simmons has had a good start to camp, um, regardless of what words he might be saying to the other wide receivers. Yeah, just ask him. Um, just ask him if he's had a good So He's telling everyone he's having a good he's camp. He's made a, a number of plays that I've noticed already. One of the things I really like is I thought he struggled in coverage a lot of the times last year, and I've already seen him make three off the top of my head of really nice plays. Uh, One of them being, I don't know if he was exactly where he was supposed to be, but you saw between his athleticism to be able to leap and his height that he he broke up a pass that was going to be dropping over his head. It was not a bad pass. And I think they were playing in his zone on that play, but he made a fantastic play to knock it down. And the teammates all went crazy. And I'm like, if he can be in a situation, Isaiah Simmons, where – he can be really effective in coverage some of the times that changes everything because then all of a sudden you can creep him up sometimes to rush the passer uh and then you know and when i say cover i'm talking about most of the time i'm talking about like if you have to slot him up once or twice i'm hoping he can already cover tight ends i mean that's the whole point of him being athletic and that kind of stuff so I mean, if he's in the slot against CeeDee Lamb, darn tootin' he better be able to cover tight ends, right? An early, an early theme for me on this defense from what we've seen in training camp has been really actually following through on you're going to build the scheme around the players and the skill sets that we have. And that comes with Isaiah of where is he most effective? Where does he play his best game for himself and for this team? And we've seen that when hearing how they want to utilize Byron Murphy a little differently, more in the slot this year with Zayvon Collins and making sure that he is taking the strides he needs to, even if that means he doesn't have that speaker in his helmet calling the defense, and it might be somebody like safety Jalen Thompson. That seems to be an early theme to me on this defense. When talking about Isaiah Simmons and where he's going to play is looking at a whole of really diving deep into this idea of it doesn't necessarily matter if it's traditional, if this is what works best for the players that we have then that's what we're going to do, and we're going to adjust that way. I'm okay with that. It just Again, it just needs to be effective. And think about it. When Zayvon Collins was drafted, one of the first things we heard from Steve Kime and company was that, man, think about an Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, both 6'4", 6'5", in the middle of the field. Those two tall trees, I think, was the verbiage used, and how tough that's going to be. To your point, Darren, and the play you witnessed, how tough it is for any quarterback to maybe throw down the seams or throw over the middle, get to that second or, or third level, that intermediate crosser or drag, and boom, all of a sudden a 6'4 guy there with wingspan gets their arms out and breaks up the pass. Although it's funny, the, the play that I am referencing that he knocked down was more on the sideline. And when you watch, um, he did make a pick down the middle, another one of the plays that I remember seeing where he leaped in the air and it was trying to get it over somebody. But, uh, you know, the way they've lined up a lot of the time, um, now that practices are open, um, is 
it it feels a little bit more like a four three in a lot of ways where um he's like the weak side linebacker but off the ball a little bit more than maybe a normal linebacker might like you said is he a safety is he a linebacker and then you have Nick Vigil and and Saban Collins is like these two backers behind the four down linemen that's that's what's kind of intriguing to me and how that kind of evolves and where all that goes by the way you spoke of calling the defense Danny uh, while I was banished to the couch as you guys were out here at the beginning of Cards Camp, I was watching some of the NFL Network coverage. They are coming live from Rams Camp, and they dropped something in there that last year the Rams had at least four different defenders with the green dot. There was Jalen Ramsey, there was Eric Weddle, there was Jordan Fuller, and there was a fourth person, maybe even a fifth. So it's not un- unprecedented that you won't have a number of different guys at different times in the season wearing that green dot and, and, the, and the speaker and the helmet and communicating. So um, I, I just think what was a big deal maybe a few months ago in the offseason isn't nearly as much, that whole storyline. W- would you agree with that at this point? You know what? Somebody's going to get the radio call from the sideline from Vance Joseph, and they're going to communicate it to the defense. At least this is me. Maybe it's just me speaking at this point. I don't really care. Whoever's best equipped to communicate the call to the defense, and then boom, it's more about which 11 are out there. And – how can you get your best 11? And I think that's another big reason why Isaiah Simmons has had his position modified because you're trying to make room for the other 10 guys who you think are your best guys out there for this Cardinals defense. Which, by the way, I guess uh, has been uh, – if they're looking for motivation and something for the Bolton board, you see where football outsiders and the analytics crew, they say a Cardinals defense that finished number six in defensive DVOA last year – is expected to be number 28 this season. From number six a year ago in DVOA, defensive DVOA, to an expected 28th in the league. I mean, if that's the case, if there's that sort of regression in the Cardinals' defense this year, look out. (laughs) Come on, Danny. You clearly want to say something. Here's my thing. How does anybody know anything? Right. Obviously, this defense lost Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, two big pieces on the defense. But how does anybody know anything about how this team is going to perform in any sort of the sense compared to every other team that's changed as well? That that's my only issue with with all of these is even talking to the players now, it's it's hard for them to even grasp of what this team is truly capable of because it's so early. So I, I don't know. I take all of those with such a grain of salt of. Well, I mean, to me, ultimately, uh, <laughs> everything we do right now is yeah i mean even the stuff we're speculating upon you don't know nobody can really know um i i think the dvoa uh that's that in part gets measured on who you're playing too and the cardinals uh schedule right now looks a crap ton more difficult than it was last year and if you lost chandler jones and you're you're not sure who your cornerbacks are going to be uh, if especially if there's any injuries and you're wondering about your pass rush, I'm not completely stunned that it would be the that would be a prediction. And you know what? I called it up. You're absolutely right. A lot of it is predicated on the Cardinals' number one or number two toughest yeah. strength of schedule. I mean, look at the offenses they're going to yep. have to play. Yep, and the, the quarterbacks Bucks and the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos and the Rams twice. Uh, yeah, not Seattle, but you know. Other teams. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's sort of like in this whole Deshaun Watson thing, they flashed up the six games that Deshaun Watson is going to miss. Their first four games are all against last-place caliber teams, shall I call them, the Browns. They're going against the Falcons, the Panthers, the Jets, and I think that's Seahawks. And so, I mean, they're losing to Sean Watson for the first six games, and, and those and four of the first six are against last-place teams. For the Cardinals, you look at their schedule, it's exactly the opposite when you're coming out of the gates with Patrick Mahomes and a playoff Raiders team. By the way, did you guys see the video they're covering Raiders camp on NFL Network? They were outside in Vegas. They were outside practicing in that Vegas heat. Not all that far from here, not all that different a climate. And the Raiders are practicing outside. I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly. I remember – Because remember Mike Singletary ran down a 49ers team back in his day? He ran such a hard camp that by basically Thanksgiving, they were gassed. There was a veteran who I very much remember – and Steve Wilkes one year, and he put them uh, – we're here at State Farm That's Stadium. Right. That's but right. But there was a couple outside practices, and there was one, a really, really hard one. And this veteran, when it was over, was like, what the hell is he doing to us? Was not happy. I not mean, selfishly, happy. I'm glad we're inside. And these were 8 o'clock practices, which at the time, you we that was the only time you did 8 o'clock practices was when you're outside. But, yeah, outside practices are no picnic uh, – in this climate, I can't imagine doing that in training camp all the time. I mean, I don't know if they were doing it all the time. but It would be one thing if you're opening up at Sun Devil Stadium, but you're not. Two of your first three games are indoors at State Farm Stadium, and then you're going to be indoors at the Raiders. So, which is one of the things, like Steve Wilkes, if I remember that schedule, it wasn't really necessary based on – Oh, no, he made a point that it, the reason he did it had nothing to do with where they were playing. He thought it made them tougher. He was Steve Wilkes was very much an old school type mentality when it came to a coach. By the way, uh, and we all remember how Steve Wilkes would open his training camp practices with the one on one right off the top of practice. Which I don't even think they're that's not legal anymore, is it? I, I don't. I don't know. Can you start a fully padded practice? I think just they outlawed that or do drill. you have to? Uh, speaking of any one memories, baby memories. That's my segue though into the first full day of pads. Did you watch any of the mano y mano whether it was O-line against D-line, whether it was tight ends against outside linebackers, whether it was the running backs with blitz pickup? Any sort of matchups catch your eye either one of you? Danny, what would you see out there? I saw like a MyJ Sanders and Trey McBride. That was good. That was good. Those two squared off. It was like 50-50, but they both got low and they both held their own and and those were two guys I really wanted to see at the point of attack. Could Trey McBride, he's so athletic, he's so good catching the football. Is he truly a blocking tight end? And I thought he showed up pretty well and against some, not only my Jay Sanders, but against uh, Dennis Gardak and against a Devon Kennard, some hard hitters. He, he, he fared pretty well. So at least at first glance and first experience, and I know there were a lot of coaches watching 85, the second-round rookie tight end, just to see, okay, what does he have in pads? I thought he showed pretty well. Yeah, watching the offensive line and defensive line, I mean, who, who's holding their own against J.J. Watt? That was, you know, obviously the big one between those tackles is, you know, who's holding their own there. But it, it is it is fun to get to see that, you know, having the pads on and get to see those one-on-ones. And it is, um, you know, watching the running backs too also on those one-on-ones is, is pretty interesting. And, and the blocking especially, you're right, because when you're looking at tight ends, that was a big Max Williams role. Yeah. And – He's on the pup list right now, so he's not practicing. So who knows when he will be ready. So seeing Trey McBride, you're right. And he talked about that in his press conference um, 
Tuesday, just talking about how much he's learned from Max in that role specifically, a little different than from Zach Ertz. I tell you, the, the, the other one I thought, Zach Allen, looked really good. He had three reps. Every one of them, he made it look so easy. Didn't matter who he went against in an offensive lineman. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even break his stride. He went right through a couple offensive line. And, and I'm like, okay, if Zach Allen truly was hampered by that ankle in a big way last year and he gutted it all the way through the season and had a pretty nice season, uh, Zach Allen could be a guy in a contract year who's just made that slow, steady progress each every season, including getting his body right, putting on some more weight, putting on good weight, getting the cardio down. If he's truly fully healthy after dealing with the neck his rookie year and some other things where he was dinged up, um, I could see 94 having a big year. I know KVB, Kyle Vandenbosch, I was standing next to him. He, he pointed to 94 as well. So I, I got my eye on Zach Allen the rest of this camp. And J.J. Watt did destroy a couple of lesser offensive tackles. They weren't Kelvin Beecham, D.J. Humphreys, or even Josh Miles. They were a couple of lower-level guys, and 99 made them look pretty bad, so I won't name any names. I, the Zach Allen thing is is intriguing to me. I I, I agree. I think he's I think he's the kind of guy that – definitely is in line for a big year if he stays healthy but he hasn't stayed healthy yet even last year when he's playing most of the season he was de- still dealing with injuries that you had to play on and I know that okay everybody gets dinged up there's always something you're going to be playing through but you got to be able to stay healthy enough to have those kind of impacts and not just be a guy out there so it'll it'll be interesting to see but I have no doubt that he'll be prepared enough to 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 have a good year and they're counting on him. I mean, again, you look at this defensive line. I mean, other than JJ Watt, there's not a lot of sexy names and they didn't add a whole bunch of people. So, um, you know, you're talking about some younger guys, a couple vets they've just signed to see if they work. And it's, it, again, it's going to be JJ Watt and the, I don't know what the Watt, Watty airs, Jordan airs. What? The Wattettes. Wattettes. By the oh, way, Dennis Gardak. Two of you today. You never heard of Michael Jordan and the Jordanaires? I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, Dennis Gardeck, by the way, I thought uh, – and look. This, He's had a good camp too. He has. I, I think the explosion is back. Yes. I, I'd love to be able to say that I have an exact memory of what he looked like last camp, but believing what he says, that he feels much more like 2020 than he was in 2021, and then witnessing in person, would you, would you agree? He, he made a couple plays in coverage during one-on-ones a couple of days ago. Where I was like, okay, I mean, I not that they're going to ask you to be in coverage a lot, but you, you not only made a couple plays, you had some makeup speed on one of them, and I, I was impressed with that. Uh, by the way, Byron Murphy had one big pick so far this week in camp. He dropped another one. He made himself do some push-ups. Buda Baker had a big pick in the red zone. So and. and you're just happy we get to talk about it because it's not close practice. Exactly. <laughs> You're darn right. I'm happy we, we get to talk about it, no doubt. And then and then Marco Wilson got some props from, from Vance Joseph when he, when he spoke to the media. But maybe one of the biggest happenings in camp, at least to me, is uh, what hasn't happened. There's been no signing of a veteran cornerback. Why? Is that is that Josh Jackson? Is that because you think he showed pretty well so far, Danny? I mean, I think most people fully expected – a veteran corner to be added to camp sometime in this first week, and it's yet to happen. I think both are true. It's funny, at practice on Tuesday, I looked at Darren, and I said, I feel like Josh Jackson has made at least a play every you know practice that we've been out here, but I do think that a veteran signing of a cornerback is very likely still. And we had kind of talked about that at practice as well, of it's kind of surprising, at least to me, 
at this point. Now, there could be other factors playing in of trying to see who are on your roster. If you have someone that can already fill that role, if you're looking at the business side of things, whatever it might be. But I think both could be true of, at least in my eye, Josh Jackson, the cornerback, has caught my eye a few times at practices. But I would also still not be surprised at all if a veteran cornerback signing did come. I think some of it, you know, and, and Danny mentioned the business side. I think that's part of it. Um, you know, there's still a couple names out there, including Robert Alford, of course, who was with this team last year. You don't know what kind of money they're asking for. And I don't think this team is going to go. I mean, I think this team would pay minimum for a guy to bring him in right now. But is that guy going to do that, knowing that at this point he could still get cut? And then he wouldn't even make the team and, and do that. So I think it's 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 waiting on both sides. I think I don't think this team is going to give any kind of guaranteed big guaranteed money to anybody who's out on the street right now, no matter what their name is. And you know we'll see what happens. Um, I mean that's the other thing. I mean not that you want to play against the Chiefs, wanting a veteran cornerback and not having one. But again, the rules say that if you sign a veteran after the first game of the season, they're their uh, salary is not guaranteed the rest of the year. So the Cardinals could very well end up adding somebody after the first game, just like I think a few teams might do that. Um, and maybe it'll come sooner. Who knows? I think I think they'd like to go through a couple preseason games and see who might be there because I like I think I think Antonio Hamilton's made some plays in camp so far. Um, I've noticed Josh Jackson. I mean, are they playing great? Probably not, but um, I think they're playing pretty good. And so we'll we'll kind of see where it goes. I still think there's a very good chance they sign a veteran corner. I just don't know how quickly. Instead, the Cardinals have signed a couple of D linemen and an offensive lineman. They signed a D lineman Antoine Woods. He flashed a little bit in, in camp in full pads. Christian Ringo, he, he had a good get off. Kyle Vanavash was standing there, gave him props on that. And then they signed a guard because Justin Murray Justin is hurt. dealing with uh, ankle problem. And you still don't have DJ Humphreys right now. And if you're, even though the guy they signed, uh, Rashad uh, Coward, is mostly a guard, if you're going to have Josh Jones playing tackle because Humphreys is out and you're missing Justin Murray who plays guard, you need another guard in there for reps. And that's the other thing we need to remember about. I'm not saying like the two defensive linemen, Ringo and Woods, won't don't have a chance to make this team. I do think they have a chance to make this team. But at the same time, J.J. Watt's not going to be playing in the preseason. And True. I'm not sure Zach yeah. Allen's going to play in the preseason. Yeah. So you better have some bodies at all these positions that can take up all these snaps. They did that last – I think it was last year. They signed Josh Morrow and Jack Crawford, and there was one other veteran guy who used to play for the Bengals, and I'm forgetting his name right now. And they essentially signed all of them mostly to play in preseason games. Now, they ended up keeping Morrow on, for the, on the practice squad. Um, but for the most part, you want these guys to take up snaps so the guys that you do want to keep aren't going to play any preseason games. I mean, how you know, it's still preseason for Darren, too. I can't believe he only remembered the Jack Crawford and the Josh Morrow. I mean, I can't believe he only remembered those two. That's that's really – I do remember the third guy was had played like 10 years, and I think he was a – he was fr- – he was fr- – foreign like he was German or something you could have given me a thousand guesses I want to remember those two names that they signed last year at this time yeah Justin Murray has been uh wearing a boot we've seen at the open practices so that hasn't yeah two to three weeks I mean it's obviously not ideal hopefully it he is good in those next couple weeks after that um you are forgetting another offensive lineman though oh boy who we haven't really seen practice. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Lay it on us. Center Rodney Hudson, oh, yeah, who Rodney made his Hudson. return, coming back to the team. Everyone's very excited. And 
we haven't seen him at a lot of practices. Yeah, caught like two so far. Two practices. As we this. And, and they haven't cited an injury, right? They're just uh, they're saying they're being smart. Is that the response? Yeah. I mean, I I think ultimately it doesn't surprise me. I. I I mean, Cliff Kingsbury didn't say this. this is purely my speculation, but would I be surprised if when he said, I want to come back, but I don't, I don't want to have to do a lot in training camp. They said, fine, just, you know, your body, you tell us when you want to work and we'll go from there. Unless he let himself go in the off season, like a Ron Wolfley, you know, he's has to work his way, you know, back into shape behind the scenes before he even takes the field. See, that's no. why you're so good, Paul, yeah. is because you, you train year-round. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The, uh, I'm just going to ignore that and move right on. It's so preposterous. Uh, <laughs> I did have, you know, until you mentioned camp bodies, I was ready to come with a hot take that maybe they brought in Christian Ringo and Antoine Woods as a kick to the tail pad of a Lecky Fotu and a Rashard Lawrence two young guys entering the third year of their contract that you know what it's you can't just be a guy yeah you got to be more of the guy and you got to be more productive it's time i'm i i'm not going to totally dismiss that but I, I would say this and i haven't had a chance to talk to rashad uh very much but i have talked to lucky a couple times i mean i those guys just never struck me as the guys that are going to take it that way and not be I mean Lucky Foto at first I was joking with him at the end of the preseason I saw him actually out uh, at a local food establishment at the a right, restaurant right before training camp yes <laughs> why would you just say restaurant <laughs> by the way why are you gonna be a hater by the way they list him at 65 334 are you buying that over or under on the 334 he is a very large man he under it's funny the other day I asked Vance about and this is where I was going with this is I was asking about how he's because he told me he wanted to uh, be in better, not in better shape. I forget exactly what he said, but he wanted more explosive. He wanted he just wanted to have his body be right. Back to his rugby days when he's running the ball. Google that up on YouTube. I mean, watch the That's days true. of Lucky Google Foto. Google it on YouTube? Whatever Paul. you, you want to do. Just See, go ahead and fire just, it up I, there. I'm not crossing her right now because she's I'm on the sorry, warpath. I'm sorry. Don't, I'm don't, sorry. Don't, don't, don't micromanage the details there. Just go find the video. <laughs> but I know Vance the other day said he weighs 320, and maybe he still does weigh 320, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he looks... I mean, he he looks like he's in great shape. I don't know if he looks like a guy you're going to stick in the middle of the defensive line. But he's he, he was part of the megawatt package last year, right? Yes, the goal he was. line package. Yes. It was him and JJ, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Which makes sense because once again, and I asked him flat out, asked him in the mule room one day, "Do you want the rock?" Because once again, he would carry the football in rugby, whatever they call running back in rugby. He was the guy. Nobody wanted a piece of Lucky Fotu running down the field at full gallop. I mean, it was it was a sight to behold. And so, uh, with that in mind, there's no doubt he has the athleticism. Now, I'm not buying he's, he's 320 or below, but uh, – well, How much do you think he weighs right now? I, looking at him, at least 335. Really? At least. Maybe. I, I just know – He's just so solid. Like a Will, then, he's like then the, he the D-line version of a Will Hernandez. I'm going to say this then. If he – I know they list him at 330. If he is at 320 right now, then he was well above 330 before because he absolutely is not as heavy as he was last year. Okay. I mean, look at him when he's got his pads off. When you no. saw him in the restaurant, not the food establishment, four but the fathers. restaurant. It was four fathers, okay? Did, did he have the family platter or did he have a single serving? He what? just had one sandwich. Okay. Unfortunately, he was eating with Matt Dickerson, who is no longer with us. He's I not see. dead. He just got released. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> Here on. Danny, you going to save us? <laughs> 
No. With that observation right there? No. <laughs> All right. Well, we have been beating around the bush and avoiding the uh, the news. Uh, one of the reasons the offense maybe lagged behind the defense here to start this practice week is because they're missing <laughs> their starting Pro Bowl quarterback. Danny, please explain. Kyler Murray tested positive for COVID. Uh, Kingsbury said that he had mild symptoms. He tested because he wasn't feeling too hot, so – he was going to do the minimum five days, but I guess he's feeling better. So hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later. My guess is, uh, my guess is he'll still be gone five days. But if it's five days, he's still got a chance to be back for the red and white practice. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm guessing at this point, there's no reason to rush him. And I think he would have to test negative uh, to be back before the five days. And I don't know if that's once you test positive. I don't know how easy it is to test negative. Within five days, I don't think it's happening quite that quickly. From what I understand about people that have tested positive, I, not that I know that many of them. but Well, you can walk down the hallway and talk to Ron Wolflick. True. Uh, so on that account, uh, Kyler Murray will see when he's due next in Cardinals camp. Not exactly certain. Um, I was intrigued by the comments that Cliff Kingsbury made, and I would agree with the fact when Cliff says that if nothing else, Kyler Murray has developed more mental toughness. And you know what? Based on this offseason, yeah, there's cause and effect, right? Whether it was the playoff loss to start 2022, which just looking like at the six calendar years year, ago it at does, this point. It does. But think about a football career where how many times did Kyler Murray ever fail, right? I mean, you're shaking your head. Not I, many. Not many, if, if at all. He was undefeated. I mean, you heard him when he got up there and he played a little defense by going on offense and, and citing his track record of being undefeated as a high school starting quarterback. One year as a starter in college, he wins the Heisman. He wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, and then he's a two-time Pro Bowler his next two years. So all of a sudden, yeah, there's a little adversity. There's a speed bump. There's, you know, dare I say, the most embarrassing performance of his football career that was on display for a national TV audience in that playoff loss to the Rams. And then we have everything that was the independent study clause that no longer exists, and that addendum, everything else, once again, put him in the spotlight. Yeah, there's been a lot for Kyler Murray to deal with in process. So, A, I would agree the mental toughness is probably beyond where it's ever been. And, B, there's got to be more motivation than ever before, Danny. And I wonder if that materializes. And he takes it out on defenses for 17 games. And you know what I think is a good showing of the mental toughness is when Kyler Murray talked in his press conference after getting the contract extension in the the auditorium of saying he feels that that, not just the playoff loss to the Rams, but the way that they lost – could end up helping them in the long run and understanding how to better handle that situation and what to learn from. And that, to me, says that you're looking at this mental toughness. It's not the way to say it, but having that mental toughness to look at it. Fortitude, fortitude. To look at it that way instead of just, oh, they were better. Like, how, how can we use this to our benefit? And I do think him getting up there and essentially defending his work ethic for somebody who is very private, and keeps to himself in social media and with the media in general, I think also says a lot too of, of how strongly he felt that he has earned what he has gotten. I will. I want to say one, I know you gave me a point earlier in the podcast. Do you get, do I get another one for asking that question in the contract press conference that elicited that answer you like so much? Cause no. I asked that question. No, really? That's no, dis- wow. because if you have wow. to 
throw it up to yourself like that, Darren. I'm not going to give it yeah, to you. Yeah, of course not. I will say that I didn't. I, I thought I thought the press conference because we haven't had a chance to talk to it, talk about it on Underground since it happened. The, the d- defending himself. I, I I know there's people out there, especially national people, that thought that was terrible and he shouldn't have done that. And I there's fans that said he didn't handle it the right way. And I, I don't understand any of those. I feel like that was exactly what he needed to do, and um, that really paid off for him I think ultimately I think he felt better I think the way he handled that press conference that was this is going to come across poorly I I really do because it's not and I don't mean it this way I really mean this as a compliment but I felt like that was the most adult he had sounded in a lot of the things he had done I mean he didn't he he wasn't messing around there it was like it, it felt like a guy is like this is my life quit effing around with my life here um and I agree, um, like him talking about, you know, not p- people his size haven't done what he's done. I mean, it's been brought up. I've heard Dan Bickley bring this up before, but I agree with that. Like, this is something that he would get really defensive about for the longest time. And now he's using it as like he's pointing out, like, I understand that's something I've got to overcome. And and I, I, I that. That's what specifically me. again does he being have to five over ten being five oh. ten he's brought that up a couple times that press of conference the contract of late extent? but yes. he never used to and if you brought it up to him before he'd get prickly and now it's like okay i, I can't keep fighting this obviously i know this is something i i think that all goes to it i mean i i think in the day he, he held the press conference after the contract and, you know, his parents were in attendance yeah. and his agent. And, and his dog. And we were live on the air, and the dog stole the show. Swoosh, as I screwed up the name earlier. And so uh, and, and I, we both cited that. Wolf and I were on the air, and we said, you know what? That's the first time we've really heard him acknowledge that, yeah, he was never certain he was going to be a first-round quarterback based on his height because it was – it just it didn't check that box. It was he was such an outlier in so many ways based on the history of the game and guys who were drafted that position in round one. He, he said he wasn't even sure he was gonna be you know have a baseball career and be highly drafted just based on his size and stature, yeah. which I found really intriguing. That's a, but that is the first time he has admitted as much. It's funny because I, I remember doing a sit down with him right after his rookie year for flight plan, and he said something along the lines of like I didn't know. Um, and, and some of these questions had to do with that Kyle Odegaard oral history of being drafted that he did. But he was like, I didn't know if I was going to be a first-round pick. But when he said it back then, I, I kind of interpreted that like, I think I should have been a first-round pick, but I don't know if somebody else is going to want to make me. Yep. Whereas when he says it lately, it came across a little bit more like maybe he had his own doubts whether he should be a mm-hmm. first-round pick. So... You know, I, I think humanizing himself a little bit can only help. Um, and I thought that's what the press conference the other day was, humanizing himself. And certainly getting COVID humanizes him because now he's like everybody else. Well, and I, I think we can safely say this. When it comes to negativity, he's never faced this level of negativity no. in his career ever. And, and he, he sort of half-jokingly, half-seriously put it on the agent for bringing all the, quote, heat and hate at him in the offseason based on how the agent went about things in such an unprofessional way, you know, so many different ways he did that. So I I just – this whole thing, I, I I said to myself, you know what, if Kyler – we were sitting here with Kyler in the trust tree and said, was this your welcome to the NFL moment? 
I bet you he'd say yes. For a guy who came into the league and was the rookie of the year and then a two-time Pro Bowler, I almost wonder if by welcome to the NFL moment, this is the moment at which, you know what, yeah, this is a job. This isn't just ball. This is a profession. And as the face of a franchise and as a franchise quarterback, you're going to get too much credit. You're going to get too much blame. And guess what? You're going to be a lightning rod for anything and everything coming your way. And in that regard, to Darren's point, I think he does maybe sound a little more mature because he has had to grow up this offseason. Yeah, I mean, is that plausible? Yeah, I don't. At some point, at some point, you have to. And now that he knows he is the franchise quarterback and you're getting paid like a franchise quarterback, you have to step up and you have to start having that attitude and, and, and doing all of that in the sense of, again, Kyler Murray is a very private person. And I think he also took a lot of heat of this offseason, people questioning what type of leader he was because of that, because he's not the stereotypical, very vocal leader like we a lot of the quarterbacks we see around the league. And so I'm wondering if now that he has that contract secured and he knows he's here long term, that maybe this is the year we see him step more into that role of he's what, 24, 25? So there's 25 sometime in the next few days. I Happy think. early birthday to Kyler Murray. Maybe now he's stepping into that role of the franchise quarterback and all that comes with that in the presser room. I wonder if it almost brings this team together. You talk about how a quarterback is responsible for leadership. I wonder if it really results in, in that locker room rallying behind their quarterback, who has been that lightning rod, and who has taken a lot of uh, criticism, a lot of it unwarranted, and people piling on. And I wonder. I wonder if it actually brings that locker room together and makes him more of a leader because it just would automatically generate more followers if that makes sense, more supporters. I mean, I think that's possible. And, and you know, again, this is all kind of a journey as we go, and I, and I understand that part of it. And, and ultimately, you know, it, it gets – at one point, Cliff said when we opened camp that, you know, when you talk about the studying and everything, and Cliff said something along the lines of, I judge him on how he's playing, and that's – and that and winning and that's ultimately going to be the judge and I there was a fan that got really mad at that like how could you say that and I'm thinking what do you mean how can you say that's like that's it that's all it is I mean there's it's it's funny to say this right now but Aaron Rodgers doesn't last nearly as long as he's had as quirky as he is if he's not super successful on the field I mean, Brett Favre didn't win over all his teammates. I know that for a fact in a lot of ways. But he was a great quarterback. So people moved on. Bren, Bren, ben Roethlisberger, I think, in some ways was like that. I mean, it's it's going to be ultimately about how you perform on the field and how you play. Now, leadership is part of it. Having, like Paul said, having people follow you is part of it. I get all that. But uh, if Kyler Murray is throwing three touchdowns a week – and not quite Carson Palmer as a leader, no one's going to give a crap. It kind of reminds me of the old T.O., teary-eyed podium presser about Tony Romo. Remember that after the Cowboys playoff loss? And he's like, that's my quarterback. That's my guy, man. Remember that? That whole thing? That's my teammate. Uh, It kind of reminds me of that in in some ways, if if that Cardinals locker room rallies around Kyler in that regard. Do you think he's going to play a single snap in the preseason, by the way, Danny? Yes or no? 
You think he's a gonna, snap? I mean, honestly, you think he'll see? He will see some action. They'll right? put him out. They'll put him out there against the Ravens There's, on national TV. Yeah, he he will see a snap. Will he see more than <laughs> one series? No. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play in Cincinnati because that's turf. And Good point. he's going to be coming off COVID the week before. Joe Burrow isn't playing in that because of Burrow, appendicitis. I bet you he doesn't play. I and mean, then I'm guessing, but I'm guessing he doesn't play against the Bagels. You come home, you have a national TV game on Sunday night. Fox is showing it. Got the new alternate helmets. He might say, I have to play in the Ravens game because it's got the alternate helmets. And he'll play a series or two, and, and then he won't play in Tennessee. That would be my guess right yeah. now. Yeah, that's true. Give the national TV audience at least the first quarter, Lamar against Kyler. Yeah. And Okay. Yeah. Because based on I've what, done this a long time, Paul. Based on what Cliff Kingsbury said in his game plan with Mike Vrabel and those joint practices coming the Cardinals' way that week in Tennessee and then the game, doesn't sound like any regulars or starters, very few, are going to play against Tennessee. He's going to treat – Yes. It, it, and that's, it doesn't matter if it's the third or fourth preseason game. It's the final preseason yes. game, and guys aren't going to play. Well, and the other thing about uh, joint practices, uh, and this is one of the reasons coaches love them so much, is specifically for that. They like the idea of having – a controlled way to use and go against another team with your quote-unquote best players um, that isn't a game that you can be smart, but you can still get some work in. And a lot of I've seen a lot of coaches saying that ultimately in the week where they do the joint practices, the joint practices themselves are much more important to them than the preseason game they play against that mm. team. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Hollywood Brown, as long as we're, we're at it here, talking about what we expect and playing time and snaps and all that. Hollywood Brown was spotted at practice. He was in a jersey. He wasn't in full pads, but that's also going to be a process and an acclimation for him to return and hit the field, right? Yeah. Right. He's coming off a hamstring injury, so he was activated, and it's the team's call to just slowly ramp him up of next couple days, get him ready to do – individual drills as he continues to do walkthroughs and then early next week hopefully ready to do team stuff yeah I'll tell you what you want to get a read on your corners wait till hollywood <laughs> is healthy honestly yeah, that'll be fun and, and you go okay antonio hamilton josh jackson get out there on number two and you just call a couple of go routes and so whatever is he playing the preseason game against the ravens yes uh, yes i would say so Holly, i think so yeah think yeah so. that'll be i would agree he probably doesn't play in cincinnati no nope. coming off a hamstring nope no, no, I, I, I doubt that as well. You think A.J. Green plays the Cincinnati game while we're at it? <laughs> That's right. My J. Sanders he, says – Somebody's got to play receiver. <laughs> My J. Sanders from Cincinnati, the Bearcats, says he's looking forward to that. He's the one and maybe only guy who's truly looking forward to the first preseason game would be My J. Sanders because that's a big deal to him going back to Cincinnati and playing in that stadium. I'm looking forward to the first preseason so. game just because I like hearing Paul's dulcet tones doing <laughs> No, no. Just stop. Radio. Just stop, please. Uh uh, where where is Dave Pash? By the way, I need to download a prep session with Dave Pash before we go poly play by play around here. Uh, so what else? Anything else you want to hit up? The Guardian Caps. Uh, we don't have you know, to worry about the Guardian Caps. You know, that's a fine. I, I I wouldn't mind touching on this the uh, DeAndre Hopkins Deshaun Watson mm. thing. That's good. You saved me because I was going to try and work in you know their drip or their fits. You know, and Danny was going to wince in pain as I tries to use that. In that's terms true. Of how they look. She so uh, she's already doing it actually. So okay, you're right. Um, I mean, you see six games come out for Deshaun Watson. Everybody now, how can you not think of your all-pro receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, well, and the and, injustice? Come on now. And I'm going to say this. I'm not going to sit here and say that Hopkins should have fewer than six games because I agree with him. 
the NFL is black and white. Now, I we can argue about whether he should have gotten popped in the first place because obviously he feels like with the trace amount he got bamboozled somehow. But the six games is the six games. What bothers me is um, I don't care about what happened in in a quote-unquote real courtroom. There's enough out there in terms of what Deshaun Watson did, and there's enough out there just by what – the retired judge who gave him the six-game suspension said about what he did and, and that the NFL proved that basically this stuff happened. I do not understand how you only get six games for that. I agree. I mean, you look at the summary and, and you look at some of the highlights of what was written in the findings and Mr. Watson's, Watson's predatory conduct, quote-unquote, um, that he knew that the sexual contact was unwanted, quote-unquote. Here's another portion the pattern of conduct was found to be more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. The conduct posed a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another human being. I mean, and that equates to the same suspension length as a trace amount of a PED. Yeah. So it's just perplexing and confounding. I understand. And frustrating. The, I understand the frustration of obviously with the team that we cover and, and, putting the six games compared to DeAndre Hopkins six games for something completely different. My frustration is just the six games in general like that. That was it. Yeah. Um, for Watson. You mean? I f yeah. For Watson. I feel very strongly about all of this and it um, the way that I feel like a lot of domestic violence and sexual assault cases and um, consequences are handled by the league in my opinion are I mean, I can't get fined, can I, on this podcast? I don't think so. I mean, it's a joke. And it's a joke that the lack of respect that is being shown to women and putting the quote-unquote integrity of the game over protecting women and people in general and their safety and saying that this is more important that we would rather have this player and give him every dollar guaranteed of his contract and have him out here. That means we can win football games as opposed to caring about who he is as a person and the danger he might pose to those around him. So I understand the frustration of, and I agree, I don't think it's fair that someone like DeAndre Hopkins for that reason has the same amount of games he is suspended from Deshaun Watson when you look at why they are both suspended. Uh, but my frustration digs way, way deeper than just the six games and how all of this was handled. I, I don't I don't understand how, and this was from the judge's own brief where she wrote that it was a it was a nonviolent sexual assault. Yes. Yes. Isn't is that like jumbo shrimp? I mean that I, how do you put those two things together? How is any sexual assault nonviolent? I, I don't that makes no sense to me. Actually, it's described to be completely accurate. Nonviolent assault is all it says. Okay, nonviolent assault. assault. Those are the words used in in the brief, and 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 I agree. Uh, and if the pat and if it's a pattern of conduct that is more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL, there's another direct quote. Not just the conduct is more egregious, but it's a pattern of conduct. As opposed to like a first-time offender like a DeAndre Hopkins when it comes to a trace amount. But the best part is it's, it's, there's a pattern, she says. But it's somewhere else, she says, because one of the mitigating factors is that he's a first-time offender. And as our former podcaster Kyle Odegaard made the point of, he 
he forego the chance to be a first-time offender once he did it more than once. Just because he only got caught once doesn't mean he's a first-time offender. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have waited until yeah. the end of this because yeah. now I'm all yeah. feeling some kind well, of way here. Well, and, and, and think about this. He only loses $350,000 of a $230 million guaranteed contract. It's because of the way the contract well, in year one was structured. Yeah. He's allowed, they allowed all this to happen, and it's only going to cost him three hundred fifty. He's grand. only making a million dollars on his salary, which is nothing compared to any other of the years, and that was specifically in case he got suspended a year, he would only lose a million dollars. See, all of a sudden, in light of all this, my, uh, my nickname, Isaiah Simmons, doesn't seem so bad now. It's all, it's it's all a matter bad, of perspective. So. It's still pretty bad. By the way, uh, should we even bring up the Marcus Golden tweet just while we're just while we're on a roll here? Sure. The Marcus Golden tweet, and I'm quoting directly: "Underpaid, period. Underappreciated and undervalued." Triple exclamation point. Taste that, Darren. But I'm still working. Another three exclamation points. Just for emphasis. Hashtag. Let's get it. Yeah. Well, this summer, or this at some point in the summer, I went and talked. I think you made a big deal about it on one of the undergrounds at how I got to talk to That's Marcus right. Golden. That's right. Yeah. Somehow Darren got exclusive access. And this is what Marcus said to me at the time. I'm working hard for you. And he's talking about how he wants a new deal. I'm working hard for you, and I hope you do the right thing for me. That's just how I am. I'm not worried about, about to the point, man, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to do this or that. But the fact is... You do go out, you work hard, and if you go out and compete and do your job at a high level and you've got the organization's back, you just expect them to have your back too. He said that this summer on azcardinals.com. So that kind of response doesn't surprise me. He's not going to sit anything out, but, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are going into the last year of their contract that are wondering if they're going to be getting something sooner rather than later. Well, and if they're not, it's going to play out differently in every guy. But with a Marcus Golden, uh, I got to figure. Look out, tick tock. He's gonna. He's poised for a big year. Honestly, I. I mean, with a Marcus Golden who's super motivated like that, I'm really curious to see how that translates into his play this year. He's Are you just, saying you're getting tick tock? Is that what that was? No, that's uh, meaning, meaning wait. You I gotta feel wait. like you Danny be has been on the rampage, looking at us old guys using any kind of yeah. something beyond like a. Dial a uh, dial-up telephone and then wanting What's to that? rip us. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I've Rotary missed you guys. Telephone. It's yeah. felt like so long since we've done one of these yeah. in person. <laughs> it was because some of us weren't here. Like I said, Danny, <laughs> Google it up on YouTube. That was a pretty good line, actually. I'm keeping that line forever. Google it up on YouTube. There you go. Okay. You should say that to your kids and see if they're nicer than I was. I want, their response. I, I want I want Q to use it on like a uh, make it a one liner with some kind of media on the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Google it. Google them up on YouTube. You got that, Craig Grealu? And that'll do it for this edition <laughs> of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.